would stand, if you're able to, let's join our, uh, each other in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. And then Simon Peter goes into church mode. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. We are thankful again, Father, has already been prayed to be in your house this morning. We're thankful for the freedom uh, we have to worship here uh, and uh, do not have to hide it. And we thank you for all that you've done to uh, put this church here and how you have built a lighthouse in this community, and we ask God that you would bless not only the reading of your word and the preaching of it, but God, in our hearts that you might make application. Help us, Father, to yield to the Holy Spirit this morning, uh, that he would have free course in our hearts and our minds. Uh, we ask God that you would bless, and uh, Lord, that you would get the glory, and we would get the good out of what happens here this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this is a missions conference, and sometimes when we bring missionaries in or ministers in, uh, it can sometimes reinforce a stereotype that missions is just for certain people. Uh, but I am sure that your pastor and your leadership has said that missions work is for every believer. Uh, there are people that you will reach that your pastor or Miss Denise will never even meet. There's people in your neighborhood. There's people that your kids or your grandkids that you'll meet on their ball teams or at their school or, or some kind of function like a school play. And sometimes we think, oh, we've got to send in a hired gun or someone that has the title or the position of a missionary or minister, but yet God has called every one of us to be involved with missions. Now, the Bible term for it is evangelism. We... Sometimes we don't have an evangelism conference, we have a missions conference. And really, all we're doing is talking about uh, a missionary being someone who has a burden for a group of people and is working on or has access to that group to minister to them. Let me say that again. What we usually call a missionary is someone who has a burden for a group of people 
and is working on or has access to that group to minister to them. For us, it's the College of Brockport. I would dare say if you loaded the church up and went over to Fredonia and just popped in on campus, you might get to meet some of campus security. Uh, you may get an irate administrator from the school if you just showed up. But the same thing would happen to myself or my wife if we showed up where you were or where you you know, uh, have recreation or where you're with your kids or grandkids. So we sometimes think that this idea of missions work is just for a certain group of people, and it is not. So what we're going to look at today is this phrase that we call fishers of men, which is used in Mark 1 and Matthew 4. Here he says, I will teach you how to catch men. You will see how God works on Peter and the other apostles to bring them to that point where they see themselves as fishers of men. So let's begin. Let's begin. Uh, wiped out the background. All right. Rats. Okay. Uh, can you see that? No. All right. Okay. What were we just saying about the blessing of technology? Does anybody have a chalkboard? Uh, I can just write it on a chalkboard. All right. So let me, let me go through this. I'm sorry, there should be a white background so that pops out a little bit better. So the first thing is the cause that implored them. The cause that implored them is number one. Why was Christ there? Uh, if you're familiar with the New Testament, uh, Jesus lived 33, 33 and a half years, but yet only 51 or 52 days of his life are recorded. So that means that God took and chose certain stories, certain situations that he used to record the life of Christ when he had 33 and a half years to do that. But he only picked 51 or 52 days, and this is one of the days. So we ask ourselves, why was Christ here? So A is to hear the Word of God. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Romans 10.13 is something we can probably all quote, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we sometimes forget what verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's each and every one of us. So we're going to see how God, uh, Jesus Christ here, is working on Peter and the other apostles to understand that each of them should become fishers of men. So these people were there to hear the Word of God from verse 1. May I also suggest, B, that they were there to see the Son of God. Verse 3, and entering into one of the ships, which was Simon's. So what Jesus is doing is trying to make it possible for the people to hear and to see Him. And if you think about John chapter 12, you know, Jesus is somewhere in some kind of setting. And every time he shows up, Jesus is in the house and a bunch of people are there to watch and to listen to him. And so in John chapter 12, you hear some people that want to get a hold of Jesus. They want to see him and they go to Philip, one of his disciples, and he says, sir, we would see Jesus. These Greeks didn't have access to him, but their desire was that they would see Christ. So why is Jesus here? He is here so that the people can hear the Son of God and they can see the Son of God. To hear the Word of God and to see the Son of God. Now, 
Most churches I go to, if I'm not speaking, I do not sit on the front row because nobody can see. Everybody gets the screen blocked out and everything else. So we see that they are there to hear the Word of God and see the Son of God. Now, um, the message of Christ and Christ needed a platform. It needed a vehicle. So, Pastor, if you don't mind, uh, how long have you been here now? Okay, two and a half years. And I understand the former pastor is here as well. So we're going to kind of do a quiz to see how they did. Okay? So we're going to put them on the spot by asking you some questions this morning. So what I'd like you to do, excuse me, I have a medical condition. If I don't drink every so often, I get thirsty. So tell me about some of the miracles of Christ. This is not a good sign when there's that much of a delay, just so you know. So tell, how, how, can I move around? Is this going to be all right? All right. So tell me about some of the miracles of Christ. Okay, raise Lazarus from the dead. Calm the seas, peace be still. Another miracle of Christ. Feeding of the 5,000. Water to wine. What else? What else did Jesus do? What are some of the other uh, miracles he performed? Save the sinner. <laughs> How about us, right? We're a miracle. Any other miracles? Sight to the blind. Very good. Heal the leper. Anyone else? Yeah, heal the Gentile. That was uh, no easy feat. Jews didn't like that. Well, let me ask you this. Look at verse 1. Where are they? What is the setting there in verse 1? Where are they? They're by the lake of Gennesaret, right? Okay. So here they are by this body of water. And Jesus is there so that they can hear the Word of God. And there are people there that want to see the Son of God, correct? So why didn't Jesus just walk on water and back up from the shore? If uh, this is our shoreline here, and uh, you know all the people are crowded around, they don't want to get wet, so they're all lined up across the beach, and they're trying to see him, and which is difficult to do when everybody's thronging him. Why doesn't Jesus just back up and walk on water? I mean, what happened? Like, could, could, is this the conversation between God and His Son before He leaves to come down to earth? Now, listen. All right, I'm going to give you two feedings, two feeding cards. Okay, I'm going to give you sight to the blind. Uh, here's Lazarus. Uh, here's Jairus' daughter. You've only got one walk on water, so don't waste it, Jesus. Okay, don't and don't trade it for a Babe Ruth card. Okay, don't. I'm telling you, son. Are you are you listening to me? Are you with me? Are you tracking from the neck up? All right. So is that what God did? Did God say to him, "Listen, I'm going to give you these miracles to perform, but you can only do one walk on water." Is that what he said? Could he have walked on water any time he wanted? So if the people are there to hear the Word of God, and there's a whole bunch of people there, and if you're in the back, you're not going to hear it. You're not going to see the Son of God, correct? Why didn't Jesus just back up on the water and walk on water? Have you ever, have you ever had someone say, if Jesus were to show up in person, and tell me the gospel, then I would believe. If, if Jesus would perform this miracle in my life or in my family's life, 
then I would believe. Anybody ever said that to you? Uh, you know, you deal with an atheist or agnostic. How about this? Maybe because the apostles were his miracle, he didn't have to perform another miracle. Somebody said up here, gave salvation to a sinner, correct? Do you know what I am? Do you know what each one of us that know Christ as our Savior is? We are the miracles of God. And God does not need to walk on water or perform another miracle when He has miracles that are right there to make it possible for people to hear the Word of God and to see the Son of God, correct? Correct? Pastor, do you ever think about Acts chapter 10? Um, God is having a conversation with Cornelius. I mean, they are talking back and forth there. And God says to Cornelius, listen, here's Peter. You've got to go find Peter. Here's his address. Here's his cell phone number. Here's his Twitter account. Here's Snapchat. You get a hold of Peter, and then Peter will come to your house and tell you and your family the gospel. Did you ever think, why didn't God witness to him? Didn't he know the Romans road? I mean, can you, can you imagine God? What's the one after Romans 3.10? Holy Spirit, do we go, do we go right to 5.8 or do we, oh, 3.23, right. Do you understand? God did not, who, who could witness better to Cornelius, God or Peter? Making me a little nervous, Pastor, okay? Who could witness to him better? And he didn't because there was another miracle available and it was called Peter. And he sent Peter to witness to him. Doesn't God care for souls? He does, doesn't he? And yet, God did not witness to Cornelius because he had another vehicle that he wanted to use. Let me ask you this, okay? What is the better emotion, to be wanted or needed? I know our brother this morning wanted a soundtrack and didn't quite get it. What is the better emotion, to be wanted or needed? Okay. You know what most people will say? They say, oh, to be needed. I'm needed to play the organ. I'm needed to play the thing. And uh, we got to take an offering from Michaela so she can get a full-size guitar. You know, that little thing. She was just having a hard time with all the fingers. You know, I am needed. I am needed to be in the orchestra. I'm needed to be the missions director. I'm needed to help teach Sunday school. And you know what happens? Poor Michaela's out there. I heard yesterday that one of the students milks cats. I haven't, I haven't figured out how that works, but I just heard that story yesterday. So Michaela's out working in the barn or whatever she does out there, and one of them big old animals steps on her hand and she can't play anymore. You know what happens to Michaela? She doesn't feel needed anymore. Here's the thing. You've all said that God could witness to Cornelius better than Peter, correct? God doesn't need us because the superior emotion is this. God wants us. God wants to use us. Jesus Christ could have just backed up from the shore, provided the, the wow factor, right? Whoa, don't see that every day at Walmart. The dude's just backing up and walk. I don't mean to interrupt him. Uh, Jesus is just backing up on the water to provide the miracle. He says, no, I'm going to use somebody else here to provide the miracle for them to hear the Word of God and to see the Son of God. You know what God's doing in Sherman, New York? He has a bunch of miracles here that are changed lives that show the Son of God and that they can hear the Word of God to this community. 
And that's what God's done. And that's why he doesn't perform a miracle when he already has somebody there. Number two, number two, uh, which you cannot see. Uh, number two, the challenge that compelled him. The challenge that compelled him. And A is Christ's concession. Look at verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him. Now, isn't that odd? Humanly speaking, who did that boat belong to? Peter. Divinely speaking, spiritually speaking, who did that boat belong to? God, right? So, who made the earth? Okay, who made the tree? Who made the soil? The seed that comes off the tree, the graduates. Who gave the wisdom to cut the tree down and make it into a boat? Everything is God's. And yet Jesus prays to Peter. Jesus asks Peter, can I use your ship? Isn't that wild? You know what that is? That is the free will of God given to man. Now, church, look at verse 3. Where was Peter standing? Or where was Jesus standing when he asked Peter to use his ship? He's in the boat. So church, if you'd look up here, Jesus was in the vessel when he asked the vessel's owner, can I use you? God is not going to force you to get saved. If you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior, He's not going to force you to get saved. God, If you're here and you're saved, God's not going to force you to serve Him. But He will stand in our vessel. And who owns us? 1 Corinthians 6, we are bought with a price, correct? Therefore glorify God in your bodies which are His. So we are bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. But yet, He stands in the vessel and asks the vessel's owner, can I use you? Can I use you, Peter? Can I use your boat, Peter, so that people can hear and see me? Humanly speaking, it belonged to Peter, but spiritually it was God's. But yet, God did not violate Peter's will to use him. Without God, we cannot. And with us, God will not. So, second thing here, is Christ's investigation. What does He ask Peter to do in verse 3? Mm -hmm. Verse 3, He says, He asked, He praised Him and said, can, you, would you, can we use your vessel? And then would you thrust out a little from the land? Okay, so quiz number 2, but it didn't go real well. It took a little while for people to come up with miracles, so I'm going to let you guys, Sears and Roebuck and Pastor Mingi, we're going to let you guys off the hook, okay? So let's go over to the School of Discipleship and the Ranch Hands. So we're going to see if this goes a little better. Okay? This is not, this is not a setup. This is a real question. Okay? Are you ready? Okay? How far is a little? What's that? Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe one of the saved ranchers. Uh, <laughs> Sods, school of discipleshippers, ranchers, cat milkers, whatever it might be. How far is a little? It's really not what? Really not quantifiable. So, so Jesus is stupid in asking him to do that? How far is a little? 
you, you don't want to touch it, do you? All right. How far is a little? You know what? Next time you have to move, don't you wish you could find the verse that said move to 721 Sycamore Street? Amen? Next time you've got to buy a vehicle, next time you have to choose a career or take a new job or move from Washington, whatever, wouldn't it be great if, you know, all of a sudden a plane goes by and there's a banner behind it and say, go to Sherman First Baptist, right? Wouldn't that have been a blessing? Okay. So why do you think that God, Jesus Christ, would use ambiguous requests? You know what He's doing? He's investigating Peter's heart. If Jesus said, thrust out 50 feet, thrust out 100 feet, now it's just obedience. And yes, that is a matter of the heart, but think about it. Okay, I'm just going to back up 100 feet because that's what Jesus says. But Jesus says, thrust out a little. You know what He was doing? He was trying to determine if Peter saw the kingdom implications that were happening here. Remember from point one, why are they there? To hear the Word of God? To see the Son of God. So Peter, I want you to thrust out a little. He's probably sitting there going, that's unquantifiable. Okay, thank you, Mr. Spock. Whoa, whoa. Well, it's just, uh, you know, some don't even want to touch it. You know what I mean? So how far is a little? You know what a little is? Working in Sunday school. You know what a little is? Taking your vehicle and picking somebody up for church. You know what a little is? Responding to a work day at the church. You know what a little is? Somebody's got to go in and clean the little kid's bathroom. You know what a little is? Somebody coming in and vacuuming or cleaning the carpets and the pews. Bless you. Our churches, our Christian ministries are only big when the littles are taken care of. You know what that little thing is of working in the nursery? That's just God investigating our heart. Do we see the kingdom implications of being involved with what God is doing? That's why they're ambiguous. When you're told, serve the Lord, can I get the banner? Can I get, me too. Can I get the plane with the sign? Could I open a text and go, this is God and this is what you got to do? But God doesn't do that. He didn't do it to Peter. Is it important for those people to hear the Word of God and see the Son of God? So you would think something that important, God would be very specific, and He's not, because God is working on Peter's heart and not his rowing skills. Peter, do you understand what I am trying to do? The kingdom implications of ministering to this group of people by the lake. Peter, do you get it? So I'm just going to give you something ambiguous. Thrust out a little, Peter, because I want to see if you get it. Because we can't move on if he doesn't. Number three, the conquest that inspired him. The conquest that inspired him. Look at verse 4. What is the next thing that the Lord asked Peter to do? Verse 3, he says, Thrust out a little. What does he say in verse 4? What's the first thing? Launch out into the deep. So first he asked him to thrust out a little. Just go out a little bit, Peter. I want to check out your heart. Now we're going to launch out. See, what God is doing is God is pushing Peter further and further 
And we can see the progression as Christ continues to grow Peter's faith by testing him. How many of you like to fish? Okay. So you people that like to fish, do you get the big ones on the dock or out deep? Out deep. Now, when you're standing on the dock, do you wear a life vest? Probably not, especially if you're with your peers. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Gary, how come you got a life vest on? It's only two foot of water. Hey, you never know. It could be a tsunami. So when you're standing on the dock, you're going after smaller fish, but you're not, you don't have to wear a life vest because the dangers are not real. Now, God asks you to launch out into the deep. Man, I got the life vest. I've got the soccer bubble, you know, where you can run around and you can float. I've got every precaution. I got my flotation device from the last plane I was on. Next time I go out deep, I'm not taking any chances because no faith is required when we can handle something with our natural abilities. So Jesus here says to Peter, trying to grow his faith, now I want you to launch out into the deep. God does the same with us, drawing us out into deeper water. No faith is required until we go beyond our natural ability. We all need to challenge our current missions involvement to see if God wants us to go deeper. That's why you have missions emphasis or missions conference so we could take a fresh look and say, God, are there deeper waters that you want me to fish in? Is there so I've thrust it out a little. And now, God, do you want me to launch out in the deep? So let's look at the second thing that God asked him to do here in this verse. And it says in verse 4, And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a draft. So the first thing is to launch out. The second thing is let down your nets. Now, how does Peter respond? Look at verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. So Peter, the problem here with Peter is that he is problem conscious and not power conscious. Peter said, listen, Master, I know you don't know much about fishing, but me and my buddies, we're all commercial fishermen and we know more than you. And we fished here last night. Matter of fact, we fished all night and we caught how much? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So he says to him, you know, you know, we've toiled all the night. Toiled. You've got to have a little emphasis here. You've got to really impress God with your disobedience, right? You've got to use big terms like toiled. He says, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So Peter says, I toiled all night. I know better than the Savior, the Creator of the world. And I fished here last night. We caught nothing. So I'm not going to waste my time and let down nets like he asks. I'm going to let down one net. See, the conquest was over who knew best how to use Peter's resources. Peter thought his experience put him in a place to question the Lord's request. He was fixated on natural laws and not on supernatural. No, there's no fish here. We fished here. We know the current's not right. The temperature's not right. The sunlight's not right. There are no fish here, God. And I know because I'm a fisherman. And as we said, he was fixated on natural laws and not supernatural laws. Notice that when Peter controlled his possessions, they were unfruitful. What was Peter's career? What was his job? 
He was a fisherman. He was a commercial fisherman. He made his living off of that. And when he controlled his resources, his boat, his nets, his thinking and everything else, he was unfruitful. So let's see what happens here. Verse 6, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Just think if he had put all the nets over like the Lord requested, I wonder if that would have happened. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. So think about this. Peter says, look, Lord, this is cool. I love spending the time with you. A little rowing, just getting away from the crowds. There's no fish here. You got that, God? There are no. It's not worth our effort to do anything to fish here. And the Lord says, let your nets down. Peter lets down one. Okay, I'm going to throw one in. I'm going to try to keep God happy here. And then the net breaks. And yet they still catch so many fish. Two, two commercial fisher vehicles, vessels, began to sink from partial obedience. I wonder what God would want to do with us if we fully obeyed Him. Has the Lord asked you to let down some nets? No, 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 don't think about the church. Don't think about the church. Has the Lord asked you to let down some nets? Did you tell him it wasn't the right location? Did you tell him that it wasn't the right method? Oh, I love door-to-door, door-to-door, door-to-door. No, we're going to go out, we're going to have street signs. No, we're going to do a meal for the community. Everybody's got their own opinions, you know what? I would trust the leadership of your church that God is directing them how to do it, what the right method is. Did you tell the Lord it's not the right time? Oh man, it's the same clerk. Every week I've given her a track. It's the same person every week. Why would you ask me to give them a track this time? Does God know how to fish? God knows how to fish. If God says give this person a track, Stop, give this person a witness. Stop, minister to this person. We have all the reasons why we shouldn't. And yet God knows what's in the water. God knows what's in the heart. How about this? Maybe you didn't argue about method or location or the right time. Did you argue with God that you weren't the right person? Moses did that. I don't, I'm not good at speech and I can't do this and I can't do that. And God said, who formed thee? Who made thy mouth? Who chose you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? And yet sometimes God will touch our hearts and say, this is what I want you to do to get involved with my kingdom work. And we go, I'm not the person. Like it depends on us and our power, our resources, our knowledge, our abilities. When God says, drop your nets here. But I'm just not the right person. You're absolutely the right person so that God would get the glory from it. God never gives us a vision that matches our resources. He's not checking our calendar or our checkbook. He's checking our heart and our faith. When He asks us to let down nets, we ought to just say, okay, I might not do it this way, but this is what God's asked me to do and I'm going to do it. So in conclusion, which you can probably not see any better than the other points, uh, look at verse 6. 
In conclusion, number one, there will be lost opportunities when we hold back on God. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. As big a catch as it was, guess what God had intended for them? Even more. Do you know how happy fish get when nets break? They love it. They're like, dude, there's an opening over here in the net. Let's bust out of here. They love it. So imagine how much of a harvest God wanted if Peter had fully obeyed and put his nets down. Number two, verse 7. Missionaries need partners to get the job done. Look at verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. Notice the plea was for partners. Sherman First Baptist, you can partner with us even though you are two and a half hours away from the campus. We need your prayers. We need your prayers for what God is doing. Number three, let me illustrate this for you. We're going to look at verse 8. Remember, both, both ships now have been filled with fish. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' what? Okay? Some people have knees in your version. Okay? Think about this. Mine says knees here. What is in his boat? Fish. So many fish in a commercial vessel that it's beginning to sink. Now, you got a little 14-foot aluminum boat and you get four tons of fish, you're going down. Uh, you're going to get a chance to you know, visit Nemo and everybody else if they haven't found him yet. So here, Peter's boat is completely filled with fish. Where do people usually fall down before Jesus when they worship him? At his feet, okay? Here he falls down at his knees. So why can't Peter fall down at his feet? The, boat are full, the boat's full of fish. So think about this. If I'm trying to get a hold of pastor's knees and I can't get his feet because the boat is full of fish, the only way I can do that is by laying out flat to grab his knees, correct? What is that? Those are the fish slapping you. Remember the whole net thing? Have you ever, okay, a number of you said you're fisher people. I said fishermen and got rebuked one time. Uh, you like to fish. Have you ever noticed how fish don't like being out of the water? You get them in, and I'm thinking, dude, life's done for you. You don't have to work. You don't have to run from sharks. I am going to make life easy for you. couple of slits on the grill. We're going to enjoy you. But I have noticed from the times that I've gone fishing, they don't like being out of the water. And they fight back. So here Peter is laying out on these fish just to get a hold of the Lord. And he grabs his knees. And while he's laying there, Mr. Mackerel is working him over. They're not happy about being in the boat. So point number three is this. We lose sight of the fish and the flesh when we worship Christ for who He is. Have, have any of you cleaned your own fish? Slimy, grimy, scales, trying to get the scales off, trying to cut that thing. And that's when they're dead. 
How slimy do you think all of that is? And here's Peter laying on these fish. You ever hear that saying, a boat full of money? Peter is laying on a boat full of money, right? Is he not a commercial fisherman? Just think if you went out fishing and you loaded your boat so full of fish, you began to sink. And you're going, there's got to be four or five weeks worth of fish right here. This is great. Peter doesn't care about the fish, and he doesn't care about the slimy guts all over his flesh. He just wants to get a hold of the Lord. Remember the first time God asked you to put a five in the offering plate? This is the big one, Martha. I'm coming. I'm coming. A five. Maybe you came out of a religion that a one was big deal. I mean, you, you, you know, back then we didn't do this, but you take a picture, do a selfie with the one, you know, write your name on it so they know who it came from. Remember when God asked you to put a five in? And then a ten. Ah! Ten? Lord, what are you, quack? So here Peter's got a boat full of money, and he doesn't care. And here Peter is getting slime and fish guts, and he's getting slapped in the face, and he doesn't care because he got a hold of the Lord. So our sacrifices, when at the time, can seem huge will seem like nothing when through those sacrifices we get a hold of the Lord and worship Him. Number four, look in verse 10. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth what? Thou shalt catch men. Peter got a new purpose in life. He went from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. He says, Now I'm going to have you catch men. And then verse 5, uh, or number 5 in verse 11, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Where Peter got a new purpose in life, all the disciples got a new perspective on life. Remember those expensive boats and the nets and all the tackling? And they just walked away. They just walked away from all of that to follow God. So let me leave you with this verse. If you can, turn, turn in your Bibles just so you can see this. Psalms 107. Psalms 107. We'll finish with these two verses. And then, Pastor, you can close the service. Psalms 107, starting in verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business where? Great waters. Verse 24, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders where? In the deep. So as we launch out into great waters and we go out into the deep, this is where we're going to see God do some incredible things. So Sherman First Baptist, as God tells you to let down some nets, just do it. Just do it. Don't thwart the blessings and the harvest that God wants to give you by not fully obeying Him. 